It's Lent. Uh, when I was thinking about what I would talk about, I decided that this is an appropriate time to focus on the cross. Title is, Why Did Jesus Have to Die? I don't know if you celebrate Lent. I do. I've given up liver. <laughs> and I gave up okra. And booze, I'm a teetotaler. And I've given up watching Oprah, too. And so I just, I say that with great humility. And before we look at that question, let's pray. Father, we come into your presence laughing because we're free. Who would love us the way you loved us? Who would forgive us the way you do? Who would accept us? the way you have. They told us that we worked hard and uh, were really religious and, and prayed and read the Bible, you would accept us. We tried and uh, just couldn't do it. And just when we were walking away because we didn't think we could stand hearing you say, I've had it with you. We were surprised with your voice. Welcome, child. Welcome. And so we praise you and we worship you for that. But if you had never loved us, you're still God and you're worthy. Father, you know our names. Uh, you know the stuff that hurts. You know, the fear about the economy and the job. Lord, this is scary. Would you do something? Father, you know the sin and the secrets. You know the places where there's pain and nobody else knows. Come yourself. In this place, may we hear the soft sound of sandaled feet. And as always, Father, forgive the one who teaches his sins, because there are many we would see Jesus and him only. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you're old and you remember, you forget names, but you remember the tears and the pain. I was a young pastor. It was 3 o'clock in the morning when I got the call, and I rushed to the home of a family that I loved, and the flames were coming out of the roof. They all escaped except the father. I, I remember the teenage girl, as she saw me coming, ran into my arms and wept. And I remember what she said. She said, Pastor, why did my father have to die? It was years later in Boston. I probably was saved. I just didn't know Jesus. When another teenage girl in my study said, Mr. Brown, I don't understand. Why did Jesus have to die? You know what I did? I gave her a book because I wasn't exactly sure. I was invited back to that first church for their 100th anniversary and always wanted to go there because I would found some things that I didn't know when I was serving as their pastor. 
I always said, Lord, let me go back and tell them the truth. And when I was there, I said, I know what I taught you all those years. It was a little church and you visited the hospital. There was never more than one there. And then you could fish and play golf the rest of the time. All they wanted you to do was talk for 15 minutes. And I've always been able to do that. So I'd stand in a pulpit, talk for 15 minutes, and then Jesus came and screwed it up. He's been doing that with my life, but I got to go back and I said, I know what I taught you and I know what I said. And, uh, but listen carefully, because I've got some corrections to make. But I never saw those teenage girls. I, uh, I don't remember their names. I keep thinking that maybe they're grown now with their children and they'll be in some conference where I'm teaching. Maybe, maybe in a church service like this one, because I found some answers and I would like to share them with them. If you have your Bible, turn to the gospel according to John. It's a short text and it's just a beginning text. We're going other places during this time. And I'm, um, and I'm reading in the 19th chapter of John where the apostle John describes the crucifixion. John writes, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on his branch and held it up to Jesus' mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it's finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That's it. He died. Doesn't sound like Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. We want some details. And before we answer the question that I posed as I began, I want to go down a side road and ask another question about why there are no details, the ones we want in the gospel accounts of the crucifixion of Jesus. It just... You would think it's not that important, man. There's a lot more time given to the Sermon on the Mount, a lot more time to Judas, a lot more time to Peter, but when they get to the cross, they just say he died. Now they tell us all the events that led up to it, and then he said, it's finished, and he died. How come they don't give us the details? Did you see the passion of the Christ? Boy, I did, sat there and wept. I've got friends who bought the DVD. Are you crazy? I mean, he did it once and you've watched it once. You don't need any more. It's sufficient. It's settled. It is over. And then the question is, why don't the gospel accounts do that? I'll tell you why. Because death, suffering, and pain were a daily reality to the people who wrote the gospel accounts. That's why this past week I've been teaching my students about how to deal with death in their churches and their own. And I say to them, you're, you're going to have a front seat at death. You're going to stand beside so many deathbeds. You're going to bury a bunch of babies. You're going to clean up after suicides, and that's bad. But the good side of it is you can kiss that sucker on the mouth. Your own mortality won't be so scary to you. Did I tell you about the time the woman died on an airplane that I was on? Oh, my. 
We're at 34,000 feet heading from Miami to Los Angeles when a woman's scream fell in the aisle right next to me and she, she died. Whoa. They were coming from the cruise ships and they were feeling no pain. It was party time for the people on that big 747 until she screamed and then things changed. Flight attendant said, are there any physicians on this plane? And a bunch came and they worked around her and I knew it was too late because this, my friend, I've been around it a lot and, and I knew you don't get them back after they're gone. We went from 34,000 feet to zero in about three seconds. Landed at Dallas, Fort Worth, and then they put everybody off the plane and we stood, you've been there, where, where that airport circles and we watched as they brought a shrouded body down the stairs, put it in a hearse and drove off. Oh man, then they put us back on the plane. That's a quiet bunch. If I could have been given the opportunity to preach the gospel, we would have landed in Los Angeles with a plane full of born-again Christians. I just want you to know. They didn't want me to do that, but I did go to the flight attendant, and I said, uh, I'm a clergyman. I deal with death a lot. If you, if you would like, if people would like to talk to me, I'd be glad to help. And I swear this is what she said. She said, Reverend, thank you. That is so kind of you but we've decided to give free booze. <laughs> That's how the world deals with it, man. Don't it? I mean, don't think about that. Just get plastered. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Well, the reason the accounts in the Gospels are so short, because it wasn't how much he hurt. It was who hurt. It wasn't the length of the pain. It was the person who faced the pain. It wasn't a little Jewish rabbi hanging spread eagle on cross beams on the town garbage heap. It was God entering time and space. And you go, oh, I can't believe that. I, God did that for me? Watch the passion. It'll make you think because it was like that. But let me tell you, there were a thousand crosses. Jesus wasn't the only. There are people who died with more pain and suffering than Jesus ever experienced. That's not the issue. You're going to die. Most of you, it's going to be a quiet slipping away. Some of you are going to struggle. And if it's commensurate with sins, I'm going to die in great pain. Because I'm going home and it'll be over. But a lot of people die. We all die. Big deal. But when the eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God of the universe enters time and space and hangs spread eagle on crossbeams between two thieves, that is something else. Hmm. I was uh, in Columbus, Ohio. I thought I'd never been to that church before, uh, buddy. The music director who knows you I was getting into the car to go back to my hotel. I was taught four or five times. And he, he said, welcome back, Steve. And I said, he's been drinking. I've never been here before. I know hotel rooms look the same and churches do, but 
I've never been. And then I got to thinking about it. That's where Buddy and I prayed in a hotel room and planned the Born Free Seminar. And I asked him if he would come because they had a lot of musicians for these conferences at this mega church. And, and they all had whistles and lights. And Buddy got up with his harmonica and his guitar and said, hello, I'm Buddy. And started singing. I went, whoa, that is so authentic. It's so real. You've got to work hard to fake it that way. And, uh, and then I got to know him, and it was real. And we prayed together in that, in that hotel room in Columbus. But I, I had a great time. But listen, if you're from Florida, you don't, want to be, you don't want to be anywhere but here in the winter. I mean, it was snowing and raining. I said, they said, you coming back next year? And I said, if you'll have it in June. And they said, no, in June, we, ha- we have good times. This is the only thing we can do in the winter. I was standing at the airport and the snow's striking everywhere and I'm dying. And I said, Jesus, I wouldn't do this for anybody but you. And then in my mind's eye, I saw the cross and I think he said, I wouldn't have done that for anybody but you. And I thought about it. He did, the cross. Why? Why did he have to die? Couldn't couldn't he have done it another way? It seems to me reasonable. I think that teenager had it right. He could have lived longer and loved us more and taught us more profoundly. I mean, we could have understood the answers to our questions if he just stayed around. How come he died so soon? We got four little books and that's all. We ought to have volumes and volumes. As John said, we ought to know. He could have... Why did he have to die? Well, I got four or five reasons I'm going to share with you very quickly. First, Jesus had to die because evil can't stand in the face of good, and good can't stand in the face of evil. They can't sleep together. Never works. In the book of Philippians, the apostle Paul says this, He says, I I tell you with great sadness, there are people who live as the enemies of Christ. Does that surprise you? It shouldn't. I mean, we think of Jesus, nice and sweet Jesus, kind Jesus, who loved the little children. How could anybody have any problem with him? Because he was a totally good and totally innocent man. I remember her sitting in my study and she said... She's talking about her life and her issues, and then she starts crying. And then she brings up her sister, and to my shock, and hers too, in the middle of her sobs, she said, I hate her. And I thought, whoa. And I said, why? And she said, because she's beautiful and because she's good. Uh, I don't know if you've read uh, Calvin Miller's The Singer, The Song, and The Finale. Those are great books. They're allegorical heart poems, and they're going to be classics. They're going to live longer than my friend Calvin Miller's going to live, or me or you. People are going to be reading these books till Jesus comes back. And you ought to be familiar with them because they are amazing in the power of what they teach. In the first one, the singer, the singer is Jesus, and he sings his song, and people are forgiven and changed and healed. And uh, world haters there, and world hater is Satan, and earth maker is God. And finally, at the end of the singer, uh, the singer is dying. He's on a torture machine that's been constructed by the people of the town, and... uh, 
and world hater is rejoicing. Listen to these words. You, you give me joy and music you will never hear, singer. Groan for me. Scream the fire that fills your soul. Spew your venom, the venom of your grudge upon the city. Never have I known the triumph of my hate until now. He rose and walked across the beam and stepped upon the cable. The added strain drew the manacles into the wrists of the dying singer. The singer felt the agony of dying, the multiplied pain of a 100,000 men, all dying at one time. With the agility of delight, the hater danced his way around the armature and strutted on the ropes. He looked into the fog again and shouted, your move, Earthmaker. I have you crying, Earthmaker. You can never glory in your universal riches, for I've made you poor, and there is none to pity you. Everyone you made has retired to eat and drink away their absurd holiday. And when they wake up in the morning, their great machine will have done its work you lie at man's caprice, Earthmaker, and wait for him to break your heart. Earthmaker is crying at the mercy of his earth. Look how he cries. Cry, Earthmaker, cry. And you say, ain't nobody that bad. Yeah, there is Satan and a lot of people. You know what scares me? I'll tell you what scares me are people who don't understand the nature of evil how profoundly hateful it is. There are people in this world. Did you, did you hear that commercial about fire ants? Uh, you want them to die. Just not. You don't want them to move out of your yard. You just want them to die. There are people who feel that way about you. They're terrorists in this world. And I don't know how we don't see it when you cut somebody, a reporter's head off, when you stone a young lady because she was raped and you watch her die and you think that's, a, that's evil. It's evil to the bone and evil hates good and good and evil cannot sleep together. And that's why Jesus had to die. And insofar as you are conformed to his image, don't expect to be patted on the back and loved and lauded and praised. It just may not happen. Jesus had to die because evil and good can't sleep in the same bed. That's another reason Jesus had to die. He had to die because a lie can't stand in the face of truth. And truth can't stand in the face of a lie. They can't sleep together either. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, John 8, 40, I told you the truth. You're going to kill me. What are you, crazy? All I did was tell you the truth. Let me, uh, let me read. I, this sort of fits, and even if it didn't, I'd use it because it's funny. These, these are actual comments written by teachers on the report cards of their students. Uh, Since my last report, your child has reached rock bottom and has started to dig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Your son sets low personal standards and then consistently fails to achieve them. <laughs> this is good. Your student has a full six-pack, but he lacks the plastic thing to hold it all together. <laughs> this, your son is depriving a village somewhere of an idiot. The gates are down, the lights are flashing, but the train isn't coming. And this is my favorite. I love this one. If this student were any dumber, he would have to be watered twice a week. <laughs> How do you think parents felt about that? That's why I wouldn't be a teacher. I can deal with students. Because generally you're bigger than they are. I'm certainly meaner than they are. I could do that. And I know more than they do, so I could teach them some stuff. It's the parents. You tell the parents the truth about their dumb kid, man, and they're going to kill you. Because they, they, they're not into truth. They're into, I have a perfect kid. And there aren't any perfect kids. So if you're a teacher, you've got to say so. And if you're Jesus, you've got to speak truth to the people for whom you have come. And that's why Jesus had to die. One of my closest friends called me this week. He's got... A lot of money. Wears fancy clothes. And he went to his clothier, his male clothier, where he spent a fortune. He said, you, you know, Steve, what happened when I walked in? He said, he said, I looked at the mannequins all over the store dressed in very expensive clothes. And I thought, that's what the world is. That's dead. That's empty. And it's covered with these expensive clothes. And you know what I did? And I said, no, what'd you do? He said, I told a salesman who is paying for his BMW with what I'm buying in that store. You ain't getting anything from me today. I'm going to Sears because I'm valuable in myself. What, what, do you, what if you do that? After the Civil War, a bunch of Union soldiers came out of Richmond one night, they didn't have anything to do, so they played poker with Confederate money. $100,000 a game. That's what the world's doing. I, I, listen, I'd like to pretend that this economy doesn't bother me, but it does. Do you believe the lies you see on television? I believe them all, man. I, you know, I'm going to get some Avacor so I can grow some hair. And maybe you would like me, and I really want to drive one of those cars, and I want to live in one of those big houses, and go to one of those, I mean, the, where the, if you do all this stuff, and you eat all this stuff, then people will like you a whole lot better, and it's a lie. What do you do when you stand up? I have a, a student friend who at the end of a movie, Ghost, you remember where the, you remember that movie? Boy, there's one sexy scene in that that'll haunt every man in this congregation. But it was a profound movie, and then, and then they'd, the, the black things would come and take the bad people into to hell, and, the, and then the sweet ones went to heaven. And my friend said, that's a lie. And this student ran to the front of the theater when the movie was over, and they're doing the closing credits, and he said, sit down, sit down. That's a lie. That's not true. They've been lying to you. You think people were happy about that? That's what we do. Our very existence suggests that to people. 
because we're connected with the one who said, I am the truth. And, and Jesus spoke the truth. And Joe Pagan took the cigar out of his mouth and got his 45 and killed him. And they're still doing that. And they're still building crosses. Jesus had to die because good and evil and lies and truth cannot rest together. But there's another reason. Jesus had to die because love can't stand before inaction. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And you're my friend. You know that old sermon illustration about the two boys that had grown up together and then they joined the army together and they served together in the Second World War. And during the middle of the battle, one of those boys, Billy, was, uh, was caught in no man's land in the, in the barbed wire. And he was screaming because he was wounded. And his friend said to his sergeant, I've got to go and get him. And the sergeant said, you can't. And he said, I've got to. He's my friend. And the sergeant said, son, he's going to die. It's too late. And you're going to die too. And the man said, Sarge, I've got to go. And he finally let him go. And he went out there. And, and when he came back, 45 minutes later, he's dragging the corpse of his friend, Billy. And the sergeant said, I told you it was too late. That was wasted. He said, no, Sergeant, it wasn't wasted. When I got there, he, he said to me, Jim, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. They promised for centuries, but we weren't sure. Uh, we hoped he would come. Because love that just talks isn't really love. I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's God like? Well, he's kind and he's merciful and long-suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Kathy introduced me to him. We have a pastor friend who left the pastorate because of his daughter. I didn't think he did it right. I think it would have been better if he had just given more time to her. But he said, you know, i got to do something radical. i got to do something big. <laughs> so he resigned from the pastorate because his daughter was so rebellious. And he didn't lay it on her. He just loved her. He said, I'm yours. And he poured his life into her life and served during the day as an electrician. And she saw an amazing love as her father had left what he loved with all of his heart because he loved his daughter so deeply. And she walks with Christ today, and she's secure. God did that. Uh, that's a microcosm, the macrocosm of the God of the universe who enters time and space because he loves us. I wasn't sure you would come, but you came, and you loved me, and I didn't deserve it. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, he had to die because lies and truth can't sleep together and good and evil can't sleep together. And love can't hang out with inaction. It has to do something. But he had to die for another reason. Jesus had to die because followers need an example. Followers can't stand in the face of a void. I, you know, sometimes I'm overwhelmed with wanting to do the right thing, but I don't know what the right thing is. And Jesus said, take up your cross 
and follow me. First Peter 2.21 says, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. What's your cross? It's, it's not your arthritis. Certainly not your wife. Are you crazy? Your wife's not your, I mean, your cross and your rebellious kid. Your cross is the place where you follow him into the world, the world to which we have been sent. The cross is the place where you tell others about your sin and about his love. The cross is the place where you follow the one who loved them to them in his name. I don't, I don't like doing this. It's too religious. People think I'm too good, too spiritual. You stand up here. And people think things about you that are just, I don't do this. But there in Columbus, Ohio, when I said, Jesus, I wouldn't do this for anybody but you, I meant it. I wouldn't. And you ought to be the same thing when you go to your friends and your neighbors the other students in the high school, in the college, or the graduate school, Jesus, I'm going because you went first, and I'm following in your step. And there's one other reason Jesus had to die. He had to die. He had to die because sin, your sin and mine, can't stand in the face of a holy, pure, sovereign, righteous God. If you're, if you're not a believer, we're glad you're here. We really are. We, we, we love having you as a part of this. And you can ask anything you want. You can kick against the goads and yell at us and make fun. You can tell us our sins. We probably got more than you do. That's not even the issue. We're, we're glad you're here. But don't, don't say, well, I'm here because I made a few mistakes. You didn't make a few mistakes. You offended a holy God. And say, well, sometimes I did some selfish things, but I ask, no, you offended a holy and righteous God, and he is scary. And when you stand before him, and you will, you're in trouble. That's the most harsh thing I'm going to say. But don't ever say, nobody ever told me, because I just told you. The reason we're here is because he kind of scared us, too. We... We began to look and see, you know, there's not a whole lot of good in me. I'm in trouble, and someday I'm going to die and stand before God. And then somebody loved us enough to tell us the truth about Jesus dying on a cross, totally innocent, taking the punishment from us so that our sin is no longer the issue. Peter Marshall used to say, someday I'm going to stand before God and he's going to read off my sins and I'm going to be embarrassed, but that's not the worst part. The worst part, at that moment, God is going to say, condemned for all of eternity. And at that moment, Jesus is going to come up and put his arm around me and laugh and laugh and say, but Father, I took care of his sin on the cross. And God is going to say, welcome, welcome. It's about grace. You don't have to do anything. You just got to run to him. He's done it all. And he did it all 
on a cross. I was telling them earlier that uh, at this conference I spoke for in Columbus, Sandy Patty sang at the opening session, did a concert, and I taught in between the segments. You, most of you, a lot of you don't know who she is, but she did some really bad stuff. I think, no, no I'm not going into detail, but she did, and, and her living came to an end. She, nobody wanted her to sing anymore. Uh, they called her a hypocrite. She was. Uh, and, the, and everything was withdrawn. It was a dark and hard time for her. When she got up to sing, she was really emotional, and there were tears coming down her face. And I thought, what's wrong with her? She, and she, she said, the name of the church, by the way, is Grace Church. And she, she said, I want to thank you guys. You were the only one that would invite me back. In the darkest time of my life, you called and asked if I would come and sing. And she said, I'll never forget that night years ago when I walked through the back door and people came up to me and said, welcome to grace. Welcome to grace. If you're visiting, let us tell you about your sin because ours are as bad or worse than yours. Let us tell you about a holy and righteous God because he's bigger than you ever imagined and more scarier than you can imagine. But make sure that you hang around when they tell you about grace and his love. Because if you've never stood before God and been afraid, you haven't been there. If you've never stood before God and been loved, you haven't lived. I, uh, I doubt those two teenage girls are here this morning. It'd be kind of cool if they were. Maybe they would even recognize themselves. I would say to the first one, your daddy had to die, and it was too young. And I was sorry then, and I'm sorry now when I think about it. Your daddy had to die because that's the result of sin. Sin isn't a natural thing. The sting of death is sin, Paul said. That's why we die. And uh, then I would tell the other teenager, Jesus had to die because another teenager you never met had a daddy who died and Jesus wanted to make sure that he didn't stay that way. You think about that. I'm in. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this sermon, be sure to check out Steve's books plus some exclusive and limited time offers at keylife.org store.